Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Mayu Thaba. And it's just going to be me today because Austin is in Mexico for his bachelor party, even though he will not call it that. So it's just going to be me today. I thought I would use this opportunity to kind of talk about what we're seeing in the market, some of the stuff I'm working on. Uh, otherwise, Austin talks too much sometimes. But uh, let's talk about what we're seeing in the market. So so I think the the biggest thing that we saw this week was CPI numbers tumbling to about 2.9%. Still a 2.9% increase, but it's lower than what we had in December, which is at 3.4%. So still a little crash course. One of the main reasons to keep interest rates high was essentially to reduce the amount of money supply, right? So why do we want to reduce the amount of money in, in supply? Why do we want to, you know, limit it? It's essentially to reduce the amount of demands there are for goods, which would then reduce the inflation rate, which would then support rate cuts. So this is a good sign because so far what we've lacked is really some data to actually support the rate cuts. I know the market and everyone was super confident that we're going to have the cuts. And I think even in last week's episode, me and Austin covered this exact topic about how, you know, we may have presumed that the cuts were, were more guaranteed and we're going to be a little bit more aggressive, more than we should, right? That being said, this piece of data right now does support either keeping things status quo because it's not like we're in a deflationary environment or anything like that. It's not like things are hitting the fan, right? But we're getting closer to maybe supporting a small cut, right? But that's enough economics. Let's kind of talk about what I'm doing right now. So the last few weeks, I've had a 15-plex, a 10-plex, both just kind of land in my lap. Both have future lift potential, but long-term tenants, no interest in a VTB. They both work. If you have a lot of capital, um, then you can definitely execute on these and kind of hold these for the long run. I also had a accepted, I have an accepted offer on a 5-plex. We'll see what ends up happening with that. Going to go up there this weekend and kind of do my inspection and stuff like that. Just reminding me, I gotta make sure I book this inspection. But you know, so we'll end up seeing what's going through with that. But what's more interesting is like a lot of these deals that we're seeing, they require significant capital contribution. Even when I'm trying to do like a development play in Toronto, a lot of people are, uh, you know, we had Jaden on before, and and their strategy is buy the property that you're gonna demo, but buy it in all cash. That's about a million all cash. Not that I'm saying you need that much, right? But you do need a significant amount of cash, in my opinion, to be able to get the really good deals today. Anything where people are offering aggressive VTBs or vacancies on commercial deals, those are moving. It's the deals that require the capital sitting a little bit longer because deals are farther in between, right? So that being said, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be looking, I, I am raising more capital. I am talking to more people about potentially partnering together. Uh, the right avatar for me is essentially people that have two to 300K, but you're not over leveraging to contribute that capital. You're not pulling from every line of credit and every unsecured line and stuff like that to get that money together. Uh, we're either going to be doing multifamily deals or small development deals, right? So I've got a couple of guys I'm talking already about this, but you know, we are kind of looking to, to increase the capital base because it just allows us to do more deals in, in what I think is a little bit more opportunistic of a time, right? So that being said, that's a great transition to our guest for this week, Sean Frost. So Sean has quite the story. It's a great conversation. And these last couple of episodes, we've just been having really good conversations with people and learning a lot as well. Uh, it was a conversation about him, about the evolution of his investing strategies in Ottawa. And also his career as a whole. So he started off in the music industry, transitioned to real estate and investing. What we, he was doing as an investor has also evolved over the years as it has for a lot of us. So that was really interesting. He's highly specialized in the Ottawa market. So it's great to understand the strategies that are working there. In Ontario, almost every local market, like things move together. So I'd say Ottawa, the strategies that are working there were the strategies that were working in Toronto a few years ago, right? So you can kind of learn from another city and, and how that would impact the cutting your locality wherever you decide to invest. Anyone that's looking for a new market, make sure you guys check out this episode. As always, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you do, drop a like, share with a friend, uh, drop a five-star review on Spotify. Uh, and yeah, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Just a heads up before we get started, this podcast is all about providing you information, not financial or legal advice. So if you need the real deal for your situation, hit up a professional. We can't promise you our information is always up to date or accurate, and we're not responsible for any investment decisions you make based on it. Markets change, information change, you know the drill. Anyways, thank you for hanging out with us responsibly. Let's jump right on in. Hello, everyone. We are joined with our very special guest, Mr. Sean Frost. 
Sean, thank you for joining us. How's everything going? Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, great. I can't complain. I got some actual construction going on at, uh, at my place right now. So uh, my home office and uh, my lower levels getting completely redone and, and doing some expansion. So, uh, you know, doing some personal investing there. But um, I'm happy that, uh, that you guys still have me on. I'm just at my, uh, my other office space right now. For sure, Sean. So for anyone that doesn't know you and, you know, myself included, we just got uh, according to a couple minutes ago here, but um, why don't you ever get a quick background on yourself, who you are, what you do for a living, um, and kind of how you got into space. Yeah, right on. Um, so yeah, born, basically born and bred in Ottawa, Ottawa, Canada. Started in the music industry as a young entrepreneur, kind of while I was in high school. I was a producer making music and then uh, doing some work on the state side. Uh, ended up, you know, per se, uh, I guess, growing up um, and ended up cashing out some music money and got into this construction space, uh, started a, a general contracting company. Uh, it wasn't for me. I hated it, but I liked the real estate aspect. So I uh, ended up transitioning into a broker. So I, I work as a broker now full time uh, for the last one on eight years. But the investment side, I started basically because I had a home studio um, at my mom's house as a kid. And she went to uh, when it was come time to move. I couldn't let the studio go. So then I think, you know, I thought, you know, how, how can I, uh, purchase this property and kind of get the ball rolling. And, uh, from there it just kind of took off. Now, uh, I have my Terry on license. I own two custom home building companies, uh, run my own real estate team. I've got a group of buddies from basically elementary school that we have a, um, a real estate investment portfolio and we do our own property management and, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton to dive in from there. <laughs> I feel like the funny thing with real estate, and we talked about this, Sean, I think we first connected on LinkedIn, is, is that people come from all sorts of backgrounds. Like typically speaking, if you, like, let's say you meet an investment banker, they have a finance background. If you meet, um, I don't know, if you meet uh, a plumber, obviously they have a trades background. If you meet someone in real estate, they could come from anything from their background and they can jump into real estate and, and the investing world. So that being said, I mean, you started off with the music industry and then you got your first taste into like sort of, I would say like real estate entrepreneurship through construction. Could you walk us through how that entire journey happened and why you decided to jump into the construction space? Because I mean, you're obviously passionate in music. Yes. Yeah. So I'm still in the music space. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm still working as a, as a, you know, manager, music exec, uh, with an artist out in LA with, uh, with Columbia. So that's still good. So I still have that lane and that avenue of my life going, but when I transitioned, basically, to be honest, I was stuck. Like I uh, just felt like I was in a rut coming back to Canada and, and, you know, trying to get some roots, you know, in my mid twenties, trying to figure out what the next step was. I'm not a nine to five guy. It's just not in the cards for me. So, you know, I'm always up for, uh, you know, if I have an interest in something, I'm up for trying it and kind of giving it a hundred percent and finding out if it's for me, if it's not. Uh, so be it. At least I gave it a fair shot and moving on. So that's how the construction started. I was like, you know, it's, um, I have some capital. I, you know, low, relatively low overheads to start because, you know, we were starting to do basically kitchens, bathrooms, basements, uh, stuff like that. So I was like, okay, this is feasible. I can build a business. I've done it before. But then, yeah, it was the client relationships. I'm a people person. I love working with people, but I felt like it was just a thankless job. So I, you know, stressing out at night and then I'm not one for stress. So I'm like, now I'm stressing out over a kitchen renovation for somebody that I don't even know that I already feel like I'm betting over backwards for. It's just not for me. I'm out of here. So then it was from there that I was like, okay, like I'm not, I was doing some construction estimating and stuff at Seneca as well. And I just felt like, you know, I'm, this isn't for me, I'm out, but I still had that interest in real estate. So it was like, the music kind of drew me to buying that first investment property. At the time I was renting, I didn't even, I wasn't even a homeowner, but it, it kind of lit the fire. Right. So then I was like, okay, like how can I connect the dots to get this, you know, buy my mom's house to keep the studio because just because it was nostalgic at that point, but that kind of let lit the fire. And then I branched out from there being like, you know, like maybe it's not so thankless being on the real estate side as a, as a broker, like I can get my license, buy and sell. There's no cap. It's not a nine to five. I know that I'm relentless and consistent. So, you know, that avenue can work. So like, let's try the real estate field. And then when I bought at the same time, bought the investment for the, my first property, and I was like, oh, well now I can just kind of like run my own ship and like buy more properties, figure out new things. And then as well, 
you know, have a little bit more, I, I don't want to say stability, but a little bit, something a little bit more permanent in terms of like a day job. That's interesting. So, so the construction business, I, you know, I, I think it's a highly fragmented industry, right? I think the reality is, um, unless you're doing commercial-ish projects or, or something more specialized uh, within construction, the industry and space that you were in was highly fragmented. You know, that kind of makes sense, the thankless side and all that. Right, but and you went from that to real estate. Where was that? Where was that first property that you had purchased? Was that in Ottawa or? Yes, it's in Ottawa. So uh, yeah, the west end of Ottawa, uh, condo townhome. So like nothing crazy. Uh, but I grew up like my my background growing up like it was uh, you know single mom, just the two of us. She hustled like she grinded. That's where I get my work ethic from. So it was just you know trying to make ends meet kind of thing. So that was yeah. that was the first property that I think I was. I don't know. I was probably like just finishing high school. Like that was the first property she purchased that drew me in as well. It was like, you know, like we worked really hard as a unit, the two of us to kind of like get this property in the first place. Right. So, and I wanted to help her too. Like I ended up paying slightly over market value to make sure that she was good in the next move that she made. That's awesome. And so where did you go from there? Cause I'm assuming if you're leaving the construction business, I would always like to talk about doing real estate full time, but you know, there's no active income coming in, which then makes it tough to, to really do real estate full-time, either an active income or a salary, right? So I'm assuming the next focus was on the real estate business, but um, like the realtor side of the business, right? Uh, but, you know, and we're definitely going to cover Ottawa later for anyone that you know, is wondering about that. But just curious in that evolution, then how did you get into being a realtor? How did the growth look like? What did you do to like grow your team? Because I believe you are pretty successful at it. So <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yeah, I definitely don't, don't have any complaints. So yeah, I uh, basically just started in the real estate side um, as a as a sales representative, as a, as a realtor at the time, obviously at the beginning. And uh, I just basically worked super hard at that time when I started. Kijiji um, was actually still pretty relevant. So what I would do is I would basically take every listing from my brokerage and market it on Kijiji for my fellow colleagues to obviously try to help them find a buyer for the property, but in turn also pick up you know, buyers kind of cold, cold leads from the beginning and build my database. I also worked at the Ottawa hospital here. So I basically farmed the hospital for four years. So like while I was working full-time as an agent, I worked part-time at the hospital. So I would squeeze in four hours first thing in the morning and basically market, market my real estate business. So then even when it was time that I could push off from the hospital, I just couldn't force myself to leave because it was uh, such a great resource for the real estate side. And I wanted to make sure that once I left, there was no turning back in terms of like, you know, no second guessing, no doubts. And obviously uh, feeling that, you know, in a secure space to really like enjoy life moving forward. So yeah, that's just kind of, just kind of where it went. And I just kept hustling, hustling, hustling. I ended up linking up with Ryan Serhant down in New York. So he's my personal, uh, kind of my personal mentor. We hit it off, started off on Facebook and then uh, we've just chatted and, and kind of, built a bit of a relationship from there. And I've been down in New York to see him and, and hung out in his office and this and that. So a lot of good insight. I just try to associate myself with people that are really doing it. And, you know, I don't always adopt their ideologies, but I, you know, whatever they put down, I pick up what I feel is going to be useful to me and then implement it into my own systems and processes. That was a very, that was a great answer. <laughs> uh, we, we got it. We got, there's a lot to break down there, right? Sorry, man. You yeah. went from, no, 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 no. Like, I love this now. You, you went from hustling and then car sort of just glazed over. Oh, I met Ryan Serhan. He's my mentor. Uh, you know, for a lot of people, that's, how does that even happen? So I want to I want to point something out. I mean, at that time when you were starting off, you were throwing existing listings to Kijiji. That's not a glamour. I don't think people realize that's not glamorous. That's like hustling. No one wants to do that. The realtor could do that if they wanted, but like for lack of better words, that was almost like bitch work at that time. But you you had to do what you had to do to get your foot in the game, right? And you had to hustle. I don't think people understand and realize that's sort of what it takes when you get started off in a fully commission-based job. That being said, you were able to build, uh, I guess, a list of, um, you were able to build a list of potential buyers from that. Maybe, I don't know if you got some sellers listing from that. After that, like after you were hustling, like what steps did you take to continue to grow your clientele? Or was it just like word of mouth from doing those sort of activities that no one else wanted to do? And that being said, forward a little bit, like how did you even connect with Ryan Serhan? So he said a Facebook message, but that guy he is doing, what is it? Hundreds of millions in volumes. Why would he respond to a Facebook message? Right. So like a lot, a lot to break down there. Right. So the first part of that was, um, how did I kind of build it? So yeah, of course I was getting prospects, finding buyers and obviously linking them up to, 
90% of the time to properties that I wasn't even marketing for, right? And yeah, you're right. It was it was bench work in a sense. I guess the equivalent now would be like basically like trying to hustle every listing from your brokerage through Facebook Marketplace where you're getting a million hits saying like, hi, is this available, right? And you'd probably pull your hair out at this point, but yeah, just building up my database, building up the clientele, and then obviously shouting it from the mountaintops when you're getting a deal, right? So I don't do that anymore. But at the beginning, it was for sure because like all these, everybody in my sphere and, and slightly outside, you know, they may have known that I was a new agent. But sometimes, you know, even though it's your friend or a colleague or somebody that you know, like if you know that they're brand new into the game, it's, a, it's you know, arguably the biggest purchase you're ever going to make. So that's not your first trust spot. It's like, oh yeah, there's my boy who like started three weeks ago or who's been in it six months. Like everybody knows it, uh, a realtor or a broker or an agent. So it's hard to establish that. So if I'm showcasing like, okay, like, cool, like here's my 15th deal of my rookie season and we're eight months in and the market's so-so, well then it starts to, it starts to show like, okay, like this guy is like, he's doing it and he's pushing. And then obviously um, from the business standpoint, I made sure that everything I put out like looked good. Like it was crispy and it looked professional. So people are like, oh, like he's kind of like, he's established, like he's got it going. And of course I still had the salary going at the hospital at the same time. So I was really double income. Um, plus, you know, so it was, I wasn't hurting for the cash at that point. So I could really kind of, I don't want to say over-invest, but I could really showcase things so that it looked really good and really polished. So people were like, oh man, like, yeah, I think me being a rookie agent, like went out the window within a few first few months, like people just knew that I was an agent. Interesting. I think there was something interesting there as well. Like the reality is the first couple, it, it's when you're first getting started, sometimes it's easier to go after the cold leads than it is like your like immediate, like sphere of in, influence, which I know I think like Remax or whoever always says sphere of influence in, in every realtor course, right? So you, so you hear about it a lot, but sometimes it's easier to go after people that don't know you right? Service them really well. And then the people that know you will eventually start working with you, right? So I think that was a great point as well. So you go from there to, you know, and I want to talk about something you said, which is, you know, Ryan's great, obviously really big name, really big influence, right? But as a realtor, as someone involved in sales, as business owners, right? The objective is always that we want to surround ourselves with like bigger players, like people doing bigger shit than us, right? So that's easily said. Right. But the, the question is like, how do you go about identifying these people? How do you get into these like, like little groups or spheres? Right. Um, how do you change your, your network almost? Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think the Ryan, uh, stuff was, you know, it was good fortune there. I had a little bit of luck on my side, I think, because I had just read, he had just put out his first book. So it was uh, sell it like Sir Hint. And I, you know, had it in the car, of course, being a broker, driving around this and that. Um, you got time on your hands in the, in the car. So from, uh, listing and showing to showing or whatnot. So I listened to basically, I read it on audible. He narrated it himself, which is great. I'm always a big fan of anybody that puts out a book or a body of work when they're the actual voice of, of reason on the other end, on the audible side. So I listened to him and I was like, okay, obviously he knows this stuff. I had seen the dollar listing and stuff before. I knew that he's a hustler. He's a grinder. We differentiate in the sense that like, He's, he's a salesman. Like he is a, he's a, he's a killer. He great at sales. And that's kind of, that was a big focus of his at the time. Whereas mine is more on the uh, client services and making sure my people are taken care of and the business will take care of itself. Like as long as I'm consistent and putting in maximum effort and giving the best service, I'm not worried about the dollar amount on that side. It's going to come. It, it's part of the job. Right. But then, so he put out a Facebook post and he said, oh, his mantra at the time. So that's how it started. His mantra at the time was, um, ready, set, go. He would get into his elevator uh, in his condo as the elevator doors are closing. He would go ready, set, go. And then his day would start. Um, so he put out a thing saying like, what's your, who's got a mantra? And it was on like the, uh, solid like Sir Hint, like book thing or whatever, like Facebook group. And, um, oddly enough, I'm not, I'm not really on Facebook much. Um, but I saw it and I was like, Hey, like my mantra is live like they dream because growing up didn't have much, but never knew that. Like my mom was great at kind of you know, I felt like we had plenty looking back on it. Now you're like, Oh man, like it was, it was all touch and go there at that, at some points. Right. But again, all good, but yeah, live like they dream. So basically I want to make sure that I'm pushing myself and trying to like leave a legacy now at this point in my career, but like just trying to achieve stuff that I want to achieve, but like what other people may dream about because they're not me, they're not doing what 
uh, I'm doing them whether they are or not. That's that's on them. I don't really like I don't care, but it's just that was my mantra. So like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, live like they dream. I've got a tattoo across my chest. Like I'm serious about it. So I wrote them just live like they dream on this group. And he was like, you know, I don't want to cuss, but he was like, man, I love that. Right. And uh, I was like, cool, man. And then uh, he responded right to that comment. And then I was like, I was like, I'm like, how can I connect? Like, how can we connect? And uh, he basically said, you know, I'm starting this course. Sal likes your hand. Like, uh, he's got like his own like mentorship like program now. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. Like, I was like, you know, I'm going to invest in myself. It's it's a small price to pay. So I jumped in to see if there would be any value. Uh, firm believer that if I can pick up two or three pieces of value from any course or anything that I'm taking and move that forward and roll it up into my business, well, then it's money well spent, right? Right. But, and that's that's kind of how it started. And then he basically said like, hey, like I can set you up with a capstone agent, like an agent that's at my brokerage um, and they can help tutor and, and mentor. And uh, and I just responded like, well, who's to say I was a couple of years in my career at that point. And I said, who's to say that your capstone agent is going to be able to teach me anything? Like then I will be able to teach them something. So I kind of yeah. called him out on it. And he just said, he's like, all right, well, so what do you want to do? I'm like, you know, I'm here to talk to you. I'm not here to talk to uh, one of your colleagues. No, like, no, no offense. Um, and he said, all right, well, let's get after it then. That's awesome. I mean, not a lot yeah. of people will sort of uh, have that confidence that that you had going going through that entire journey. I know one of my buddies, uh, he was on this podcast, Ishan. He also has a coach, similar sort of thing uh, where he got paired with someone else. But he's like, no, I want to work with you, like the founder of the organization um, and the founder of the organization, which is like, OK, I mean, not many people ask for that, right? Um, if you're one of the first few people that ask for it, maybe they're in a good mood and maybe they'll, they'll take <laughs> you under their wing. That that being said, I mean, so your realtor business, where is it today? And could we sort of get some some highlights in between uh, as to like how you got to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. So I um, I currently have two other agents as part of the team. I'm not interested in really expanding the team uh, and scaling in that sense. I treat work like I treat, you know, my personal life. Like I only want to be surrounded by people that I I like and that I want to be around. It's not about the uh, the dollar sign on the real estate bit. Um, you know, the broker side, the buying and selling is. Um, I want to make sure that I enjoy things. So I I make sure that I wake up every day excited for the day, and I make sure that I go to bed every day happy. So for me, that's more important. So I've got two agents under me. I have two agents um, on the way, two new agents, which I do like because I know their personality. And I know how I can help shape them become successful. Um, and then I have two admins as well that run one side runs all my, basically my leads and my, my accounting, uh, my day-to-day accounting. And then the other one is my operations manager. She runs like all the offers, all the paperwork, uh, this and that. So I can go out and keep selling and, and networking and, uh, enjoy life in that sense. So yeah, it's good. Super happy. Now I package the Sean Frost real estate team. I'm over at EXP Realty, but the Sean Frost real estate team, aside from like social media marketing and stuff like that, the uh, majority of my marketing all comes through community engagement. So that's how I'm able to continue to build. And and my brand awareness is obviously, uh, I don't want to say skyrocketed, but it's, it's definitely uh, grown here in Ottawa because I put all the money back into the community. I'm an official partner of Athletico Ottawa, which is the football club, the soccer team here in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually approached me to be a partner. And, and so that's great. They score a goal. I'm on the Jumbotron. They score a goal. I'm across all their socials, like pointing to the badge, a mini movie. They announce it on the PA. I'm there at every game. My sponsor, I put on the home opener, which is a pay what you can. Last year was in part with Chio. We won an award across Canada for it. I was on the Game Changers for Volkswagen the year before that for community give back through soccer. And that's all powered, obviously, through the businesses. So yeah, just really trying to like leave a legacy. And that's, that's my like motivation now on the broker side is like, you know, I'm good. My family's good. I want to leave something. Like I'm really trying to build something. I want to, I want to understand that a little bit more because when you first got started, it was cold calls or cold lead activities. Like, you know, posting stuff on the GG, like you're building relationships with people you don't really have a relationship with. Right. That's kind of like the first tranche if we call it that. Then you went on social media and you were doing business with referrals, right? Like people that would see your social proof on social media. And then from there, you said you went to like a community model, right? So that's more so you're sponsoring the local communities or local clubs, local soccer teams, events, I'm assuming, charities, like stuff like that. All things that you like and that you enjoy, right? 
and that's leading your business at this point, right? Like what, what was the switch up there between social media and communities? Like, so the social media obviously is still the big, big part. And like working at the hospital was huge too, right? So I was doing a ton of deals through the hospital every year, right? Doctors, radiologists, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, from the surgeons. And then, you know, you got nursing staff. Like it's just, it's so diverse and such a big group. But, you know, like Ottawa, it's a safe spot. Government town and then a lot of hospital and healthcare workers. So really good space to be in, in terms of the residential real estate side. And obviously having a foot in the door of the hospital is great. So that was, that was the biggest component of me building the career hands down was being, doing all the Kijiji. They called me Kijiji King at my brokerage at that time. So it was like doing all the Kijiji stuff and then marketing everything, same thing on like point to homes and affiliate sites, doing the hospital and and then social media, using it as the proof, like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm shouting it from the mountaintop. And then once I got, you know, over the last couple of years, then it was time to switch over to the community side. The community side I'm using more, it's not bringing me a lot of business, to be honest. It's building the brand awareness so that when I'm sitting down in front of people, especially new people, they feel like they already know me. They can do a right. quick search. They can look look me up on Instagram and see what I'm up to. So then when I sit down with them at their place, maybe for a listing appointment, it's not a sure thing, of course, but it's something like they already know me before I sit down. So I sit down, we shoot the breeze and they're like, yeah, you're exactly who we thought you were going to be. We looked at the numbers. We know what you're doing in the community, like this and that. Like, yeah, we're we're comfortable. Like, let's get it. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's helping. If a new agent is entering the space, and we're going to pivot into the Ottawa market because we want to kind of deep dive and understand yep. what's going on there. We'll wrap up with the realtor stuff. Someone entering this space, let's say their six month experience, they're trying to figure out how to generate leads. In today's market, what do you think is the the best way to to generate leads? It's obviously going to be different for everyone, but broad strokes, what do you think? Yeah, broad strokes. So on a budget, I think that's the important thing is that most people coming in don't realize the investment that it's going to take, potentially take to really take off, right? So I think if you're on a budget, you're likely still working at your previous occupation or working part-time somewhere else, which is great. One, I would be marketing the heck out of wherever you are. So if you are at a job, I would be making sure that I'm marketing myself, having those conversations. Don't be shy about it, even though you're new. And then if there's something that you're not sure that comes up in a conversation, like do your research and then come back the next day or the next week and like figure out how to bring that back up into a, a quick chat, like a quick follow-up and like hammer home your points so that, you know, you can let people know that you know what you're talking about. I think your everyday environment is huge to help build your business. The other thing is, is I would, as tedious it is, as it is, and like we were talking about the potential bitch work, is that there are a lot of avenues that you can market properties and like anybody on your team or in your brokerage, you know, you can get permission first, but like nobody's going to be opposed to you promoting their listing. If somebody, a new agent came to me and said like, Hey, you know, I'd love to do an open house at this property. Is that an option? Or can I market this property on my Facebook page, my Instagram, my LinkedIn point to homes will probably be taken at that point. But like, if they have another avenue, I'm going to be like, yeah, for sure. Like find me a buyer, like bring somebody, make me look good in front of my client. Right. So there's a lot of avenues. It, it requires some time and effort, but why wouldn't you? Or I would contact the agent and say like, hey, you know, you put up this really cool listing or it's a decent little listing or it's a listing that's super close to my house or it's in the area. Like, can I go book an agent preview and then cut some stories, right? Some Instagram stories or a couple of TikToks or even some snaps or whatever and be like, can I go check your listing out and I'll give you a plug and I'll put the property website in my post or whatever. No, I love that. The TikTok. A lot of people are doing that. And the, that content's performing well, actually. That's a good idea. Right. So why, yeah. like, why not? Like, and you're, and at the same time, you're getting content, you're showing your personality. That's only going to help for new people discovering you. So they're like, oh, like, they don't know that you're just in there for an agent preview. You're not going to just say like, hey, it's not my listing. Never been here before. I have no clients. Like, you, nobody would ever do that. Very yeah. smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was telling a, a new realtor that I was, just connecting with as well. I was like, dude, man, all you have to do is like put in the work and show that you're like going and checking out every single house. I know like there's one realtor that we work with in, um, in Windsor. I'm like, anytime you message him for about a property, he's like, yeah, here's a video, here's a link, here's a drive, right? You might not be able to do that completely, but if you choose a niche market, like if you can get to that stage of just checking out every single house, showing people that, right? Like that's social proof um, without even having any real clients, right? So that's pretty cool. So I want to jump over to the Ottawa market. As we kind of talked about earlier, like 90% of our audience, everyone here is for the most part investors or people looking to invest. 
Uh, we actually yep. just had someone on earlier today talking about Toronto and the multifamily space and what's working in Toronto. But I'd love to hear like, what's the strategy that's working today in auto? Like what's the investment strategy? Yeah, so there, there are a couple options. It's still changing, of course. Um, so over the last, the last couple of years, I'm not sure uh, 100% on the Toronto market, what it was over the last couple of years, but like here, obviously one of the biggest models in Ottawa over the last couple of years, that's kind of slowing down now, was purchase of maybe a dilapidated single family home, uh, lot size meeting requirements and zoning, and then putting a, a, a semi up. So semis were and are still pretty big here in Ottawa, but like this is on the residential smaller side for the investments, like to get started, you know, buying a place, taking it down and putting up two units, like one on each side and then putting an SDU in the basement. So on each side, so you would have, you know, your two sides going, you know, three bed, two and a half bath, and then putting a unit in the basement with side entrances for, for both units. So then at least you're kind of getting four units out of the property. That's a huge model. It's still happening here, not as frequent because of the cost of everything, obviously because of interest rates, inflation, like cost of building materials, like especially during COVID, like I don't want to say it made it unfeasible, but it was like, it's, it, it's tricky. I'm currently building one right now in uh, Westboro, which is a pretty prevalent neighborhood in, in Ottawa. I've built a few and, you know, uh, potentially bit off more than I could chew on it on this one, but tried to do something a little crazy and then COVID hit and when we were doing the planning stage. So I'm going to see how, how this one goes, but I did the neighbors, I did two units there and went flooring. So that part's been good. So the semis has been cool. The other thing on a small scale quick, that quick I just- Quick question on that one. Quick question. Yeah, so, what's up, so sorry. What, what's the lot size that people are buying at? Because you're- 50 by 100. 50 by 100. 50 by 100. 50 by 100. Okay. 50 by 100. Yeah. Depending on obviously yeah. the zoning, but 50 by 100, it was kind of your magic number. Like we can split this, put a unit on, obviously they're attached, one building envelope type thing, but it's- yeah. uh yeah. Yeah. And getting that lower unit, especially if we're going to keep them, like to flip them is one thing, but if you're going to keep them, you know, you can get a family in on the two, like each side, and then you can get like a young professional couple, uh, somebody even maybe if they're single, if they have a decent, a decent income, but a brand new unit, lower level, separate entrance, super right. easy to rent here in Ottawa. So it was kind of like a no brainer. And now we're transitioning into coach houses, which I know I've been uh, in Toronto, like, I guess yeah, is a big thing yeah. like in the driveways, like a driveway home or, um, there, there was laneway homes before laneway homes, yeah. in yeah. 2019. Uh, now the, uh, everyone's about the garden suites, right. Which, um, this is literally the conversation we were having today morning. So that, the, but it yeah. doesn't sound like you guys were a little bit ahead uh, of the curve, um, back in like 2019, 2020, if you guys were already doing 50 lot conversions to 225s and an ADU, like you're basically taking single family house to fourplex. What's the cost of that, that you're seeing in Ottawa today? Yeah. So a little bit more. So it would be, we were looking at about 800,000, you know, to do the semis before kind of COVID. Now it's gone up. So now my build costs are basically anywhere between like 365 to $400 a square foot. Yeah. Do you know what it is over there? Um, Probably around the same, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think if you're including the permit fees and all that kind of stuff, like the actual, just like yeah. hard cost of the build, people are doing it around 250 to 300 a square foot. Um, yeah. But then if you start factoring in all the costs, you, you probably will end up around there. That's interesting. Yeah. So what's the new strategy then today? If you're saying this one, it still works, but it's kind of done. What else are you seeing today? Actually, yeah. before, quick question on different strategies. Were duplex conversions and triplex conversions ever a popular strategy? Because for a lot of people, it may not be, they may not have the financial resources to do a tear down two semis and two uh, additional, uh, I guess, like ADUs. What other strategies were popular for like uh, investors that may have a bit of capital, but obviously not enough to do any sort of development? Yes. So the biggest one is buying those bungalows, right? And creating the, basically your quote unquote duplex with the SDU in the basement. That was the biggest one. So it was purchase a bungalow, nine times out of 10, it already had its side entrance and wh whether it did or didn't, you could, you know, usually create it depending on where the stairs were. But yeah, having your main level. So like a first time investor or whatnot would usually move into the main level and then revamp the lower level, create a full unit down there, a full suite down there. Because in the size of the bungalows, you could usually get away with a three bedroom. And a lot of times even a one and a half bath down there just on the, the single level. So you could do like a main bath and a powder room, or you could even get away with like a stand-up shower on suite um, and then do a main bath in the unit as well. I have a few of those that we've retrofit um, and I've kept them. Now it's a little bit tighter, like the margins are tighter. Right. 
but the rental market is still really strong in Ottawa. Like it still continues to grow. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, that was definitely the, the, I don't want to say the easiest, but it was like kind of like the, the safest, if you had the money to do it was the safest because the, right. A lot of these bungalows needed a bit of work anyway. And to create a brand new unit that, you know, I'm now renting the three bedroom lower level unit, like one of mine for, you know, twenty six, twenty seven hundred dollars a month here in Ottawa. Yeah. That's pretty good. Bus utilities yeah. all in? Depends on the location, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. But well, so I have yeah. a lot of them twenty seven hundred <laughs> all inclusive. Um, because they do share like the meter or whatever with the upper unit. Right. But yeah, like it's it's pretty fierce on here. <laughs> so okay, so so jumping ahead. So what are you seeing uh, as kind of the strategy today that I don't think we actually cover that. <laughs> yeah. So now the strategy today is a lot of multi units. So it's to get your foot in the door is a little bit trickier um, in the city. So there's so many outskirts here in Ottawa. So like we've got towns like, you know, Carleton Place, uh, even like Kempville, Rockland, like from east to west all around. There's a lot of smaller communities outside of the the city core. Those are the places that are a lot easier to get your foot in the door doing those traditional methods of, of investing. The rental market's not as strong, but there's always a renter out there. So even as far as like Petawawa, which is like a military town here, no. I'm currently doing a brokering a deal. Uh, it's closing next week. It was a 26 unit converted motel. Great investment for my client. So like that kind of stuff. But in the city itself, we're seeing like, I don't want to say bigger players, but it's people that have, uh, you know, their teams or their groups sorted and they're doing the multi-unit, like they're, okay. they're finding spots where they can do the six to eight units or eight plus. Right. It's, 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 it's sounding little, very much like Toronto at this point. Like it's getting to that yeah, point. Yeah, we're two where, steps behind yeah. you. We're two steps right. behind you there, I think. But like, that's what we're getting into now. Mm-hmm. What would we'll, we'll say the cost of that? Like, I guess it depends really on, like you can buy a 100 by 200 lot, you can buy like a 60 by 100 lot, right? So it really depends on like what you buy. But what are just like some of the numbers that you're seeing in, in, in Ottawa? Like how many units do you think you need to do for it to make sense? Like what, what's kind of a ballpark of something you've seen recently? That's a great question. And it also depends on the area, right? The issue with with that question is like, you want to get as many units as, as you can. And a lot of the spots that are coming up for sale, the numbers don't really work. Like, mm-hmm. For somebody that's that's really focused on, like if that's like your, I don't want to say bread and butter, but like if that's like your investment, we're finding it like a lot of, com- like a lot of corps that have multiple units, like properties and things in their portfolio already that can add to it and kind of offset to make it make sense so that in the long term, it's going to pay off. Whereas short term, like you're going to be losing. Like right now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't invest in the city. Like mm-hmm. I'm not doing multi-units and multiplexes in, in Ottawa itself because the numbers don't add up for me and I'm the builder. Like it just, right. I can take it to the outskirts and make it a lot more profitable. Um, I have land out in a small town with, uh, I partnered with a couple people in a residential neighborhood in a town called Almont beautiful out there and like i'm going to be developing a whole side of a street basically probably 12 to 16 homes i'm going to be putting up that's the type of avenue because i know that it's going to make sense for me uh, yeah. but like a sixplex or something here in ottawa it's like to buy one that's already existing is going to be tricky the numbers right. in my opinion and like a lot of people are finding they don't really add up and and when we say numbers just to clarify you mean as in like cash flow like it's going to be it's going to be that's pretty right. negative at, at acquisition fair enough yeah unless um, if you're <laughs> like a yeah, if you're loaded, right? Like if you've got right the money to spare, it'll it'll be fine. It'll pay it off and it'll like offset probably throughout the portfolio. But if you're looking at like making that your baby, it's Yeah. If you're an individual investor, like like or me or Ma, you're going in to just buy a property ourselves, then it's kind of tough because we won't have that sort of liquid reserves to sustain it. Um, that being said, I want to take a step back with Ottawa. Could you give us sort of a, a 10 feet overview on what's going on in the market right now? Are you seeing multiples come back? In Toronto, we are. I know some other cities have not seen it just yet, specifically investor-driven cities like Windsor and Sudbury. I've heard they haven't had multiples come back. What What are you seeing on, on that end of things? What are you seeing on the leasing tenancy side? And just overall, what is driving the growth in Ottawa? Because it's it's gone through some pretty incredible growth recently. It has, it has, and we're we're in a good space right now. So it was a little bit slow throughout the summer of last year, leading in through to uh, December, January. We already started. We started to see things pick up, and right now it's pretty active as well. So it's, I'm still seeing on the investment side. I'm seeing a lot of big properties coming up in Ottawa and surround, well, more so surrounding areas uh, where I have clients, you know, telling me to check on the financials, and then places are getting conditionally sold, like 
still likely split. Like some of these properties are coming up in like, you know, multi-million dollar investments, which is big for Ottawa. Um, Wait, sorry, who are the buyers? Within, yeah. Like, who are the buyers of these like properties that you're just like, it's conditionally sold right away and you're getting multiples? Like, are they yeah, they're investors. They're, they're investors. Okay, they're investors. No, they're, those ones are investors. For like the multi-unit investment, oh, for the like multi-unit, multi, okay. yeah. multi-million dollar, they're investors. I had a question on this earlier as well because... I'm noticing a similarity, right? Like I think a lot of the deals that could be done by an individual investor, meaning call it like required capital, like two to four undergrad, right? Like you might be able to pull that off yourself if right. you've got some equity in your home or whatever, right? Or maybe just capital accumulated. A lot of those deals don't really seem to be the plays that are working today, right? So it's almost like I'm getting this feeling that you have to like partner up, you have to group up and you have to go for a project that like requires like, 800 to a million worth of like capital, right? With like a couple of like investors. Is that kind of what you're seeing? Like the people that are buying these apartment buildings, they 100%. 100%. Yeah, they're like LP structures. Yeah, in. yeah definitely. You're, you're forming, you're forming a nice little JV and then, uh, and kind of like going big uh, rather than, you know, trying to make yeah. it work like it kind of used to. Definitely, definitely a lot more JVs where people are, I don't want to say, I guess, pulling together and like making bigger things happen. Yeah. But then the outskirts, the outskirts is, is a little bit of a throwback where you can still get away with like a single investor can go in and buy a 26 unit apartment building, get a property managed and still cash flow, like right off the right. hop. Like yeah. those price points are still there where you're spending, you don't know, four, four and a half million on a decent 26 unit, mostly renovated. It might be far, but like, you're not going to be there. Your property managing it's taking care of it. So yeah, That's right. those investments are, are definitely still there. The other method that I also did a few of, which I don't know if it's going to come back, is on the new builds. Like I was purchasing new builds from like track builders, buying them and then basically putting a stick in the ground as soon as they were done when the market was was healthy. Paying Listen. capital gains didn't really matter because it was like making money off of doing nothing. So I did a bunch of those that all proved quite fruitful as well. So I'm thinking that, you know, I know the builders are starting to get busier. We, like you touched on before, we're getting multiples here now again. Not going crazy as of yet. Usually our spring market kicks in like towards the end of February, but it's definitely busier. Like my showings are up, showings on my listings are up. Activity in terms of inquiries and people reaching out and conversations starting are way up. So it's it's pretty exciting here. And I am seeing multiples coming. I'm seeing unconditional offers again. Again, not as not like it was before, like during COVID, Love but sure. it's it's heating up for sure. Okay, crystal ball time. No one has a crystal ball. <laughs> But what do you think, uh, rest of this year, how do you think it's going to sort of play out? Yeah. No one's going to hold you accountable I, to this. Cause no, no, no. To make, I know how to make things clear, the banks always get predictions wrong and the banks run with the most data. So, but just based right. off of your, your gut feeling, what, what, what is it telling you? Well, I, I think buyer confidence is, is already on the way back from this time last year, obviously where we've, we've been holding uh, rates, which is which is nice. A decrease would be great. But um, I think even even if they just keep holding the way that the winter is going, especially the weather here, spring markets rolling in, buyer confidence is good. Price of homes are, you know, higher than they were pre-COVID, but not as crazy as they were at the height of COVID in the insanity. So I think it's going to be active. Um, hopefully we can get uh, a decrease or two, even if it's, you know, 0.25 and then another 0.25 throughout the year or three and decreases would be crazy. But I think once we see that first one of a slight decrease with all the other traditional factors that we get in the real estate market, especially here in Ottawa, like that's what I know, it's going to be busy. And I think that's going to bleed through the summer. Uh, normally for people when they're taking vacations or they may slow down a little bit, I think that's just going to roll through right through the summer, right through the fall. And then the winter, I, I'm not really sure at this point, but I think it's going to be a busy market. It's going to be because like I'm off to one of the busiest starts of my career in like per year, like this year. So uh, that's telling me and I'm having more conversations than I normally have at this point in February. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be active. Yeah. You heard it here on um, first folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, that seems to be the sentiment across like a couple markets and slowly trickling into, into everywhere else as well. Right. So what about uh, there? But it's it's happened. I, I've I've been losing. From December actually, which is a little bit odd because that's slow time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's definitely happening. But I think at the same time, we saw the US come out with a higher than expected CPI. 
We've seen forecasts go from April, I think, to May. Um, and now potentially being talked about cuts being even later, right? So I yeah. feel like this year is going to be this weird, like, I don't even know. Like, I, I really have no idea, right? Like, I think on one end, you've got optimistic news and you've got a lot of people waiting for those optimistic news. And then on the other side, nothing's actually really happening. Like, you have no inventory. You've got no actual data coming out that suggests anything serious is going to happen, right? So we'll see. Enough kind of crystal ball forecasting, Sean. Yep. Uh, I just want to add, at this point in the podcast, we want to ask you two questions. The first is, sure. uh, where do you see your either your investing journey or and your your real estate journey, your realtor team kind of going from here in the next two to three years? Yeah, so two to three years, uh, easy one on the investment side for me personally. Um, like I said, I do have that land, so I'm working with the township right now. That's that's a long process, as we know, getting services and everything in there. But that's kind of like my legacy project as of right now in terms of the development side, uh, something that I can kind of lay claim to fame and and it's like a full street. So it's pretty cool on the residential side. Like my kid, when he grows up, he's going to be able to drive down there and be like, man, wait, like my dad did this. Like, you know, from where I'm from, like came from, it's that's a, a crazy, crazy feat. Aside from that, I'm still going to keep building. So whether it's contract homes or it's going to be stuff for us that we end up flipping, I just keep plugging away. And that's just per deal basis, right? If you find the right, uh, if the numbers work and you find the, the, the right spot, then just go and pull the trigger and do it. Um, otherwise, we'll be building, continue to build for other clients. Coach houses are big. I do have a few properties still that don't, I think you called them garden. Was it garden? Garden, garden homes suite. or garden? Yeah. What did you, garden, garden, garden suite. suite. Garden yeah, suites. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So garden suite, I'm assuming that's the same thing as the coach house. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, back of the property, put those in. Um, I do have a couple of properties that we own that uh, I haven't tapped into those yet. So again, because I don't have to worry about zoning this and that, I'm much easier to put them on slab and and build a unit for whatever, 160, 170,000 and obviously increase the, the value in the property to begin with. And then collect more rental uh, revenue. So um, yeah, I would say like coach houses, developing that side of the street over the next three years or whatnot, and then continuing to grow the two building companies, whether or not they're personal projects or not. And then the real about, estate side. Sorry? I was going to ask the music side, right? Because you mentioned oh, you're music side, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, music, music, I'm out. Uh, we're with Columbia, uh, Columbia Records. Uh, my artist uh, is out, my artist two-time is out in uh, in LA. He's from Ottawa. We signed a huge, uh, a major record deal uh, last, just, yeah, at the end of 2022, I guess it was. Um, so yeah, we're with Columbia and uh, Polo G is a rapper out, out of Chicago. We're rolling with the uh, the Capilog group as well. So yeah, things are really good on that front. So we're just gearing up for the first uh, EP coming out and first album, hopefully should be this year. So the music stuff's flying, the real estate side's flying. And then as a broker, just going to keep pedal to the metal, man. I just, uh, nose to the grindstone, just keep working, be consistent, be relentless. And, uh, and the results come with it. There you go. And so Sean, for anyone that's just getting started either as a realtor or as an investor, what kind of advice do you have to share with them? Just one thing each. Investor, I would say, um, if you're new, like, don't be afraid to like, be patient. I, I would just say, be patient. Don't be afraid to say no. If something doesn't feel right, then, then don't do it. If you feel like you, you know, there's, you have to take on risk, of course. As an investor, there's always going to be risk involved. But if you don't feel good about it, I would probably wait for the next one that you do feel good about. You should be confident and optimistic and enjoy the process. It's always going to be stressful, but you should enjoy the process because it's a long, it's usually a long investment, right? There's a lot, it takes a lot of time to get from A to B to C to D. So if you're finding yourself stressed or stretched, maybe it's not worth it just for the dollar amount. So I would be patient and wait for the right one to come. And with that, you know, lean, like we were talking about, lean on those people that those resources that, um, have, have been there before they're going to give you sound advice because they've, they've seen it, they've done it. Like, you know, don't just go in blind. Obviously it's a lot of money. It's a huge investment. Like go with the people that know what's going on. And then as a realtor side, yeah, just, um, stay up. Just don't get, uh, don't get discouraged. It is a competitive market in, in a lot of, uh, areas that you're working in, depending on what city you're in. But uh, you know, it doesn't always come quickly. Don't get discouraged. Um, just keep at it. You have to stay consistent. So your systems and processes is, is the biggest thing. Running through the steps, the tasks that you need to do every day, even if they seem a little monotonous or they're not getting results right away, you have to stick to it because eventually they will. 
Also be aware that it is going to be an investment. You're starting, you're building a business, you're an entrepreneur as a real estate agent or a broker. So you have to be willing to invest in yourself. So it is going to cost money to get things going. And if I could segue real quick, just in terms of like being an entrepreneur or a developer or a broker or whatever, I think making sure that you're happy, like try not to make in, try not to do as many things that you don't want to do. So like I, my philosophy is like, other than dentists, doctors, you know, some lawyer stuff and accounting, like I don't do anything in life that I don't want to do. If I'm not feeling it, I don't do it. If somebody invites me to go somewhere and I'm not feeling it, I don't go there. If somebody brings a business, uh, a proposal and, you know, for a potential investment or something. And I'm like, ah, I'm not really feeling it. Like, even if the numbers work and I'm like, I just don't care about this. Like I'm not, I'm not into it. I gracefully back out and yeah, it could make me money down in the, down the road, but that's not what, that's not necessarily what I'm here for. It's, uh, I want to go to bed happy and I want to wake up happy and be excited for every day. So that's my like biggest thing is like, don't do shit you don't want to do. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's really good advice. We don't hear that enough, right? Like money is an abundant resource. Time is not uh, it's cliche, <laughs> but it's true. It's, it's true, true though. It's true. It's the biggest thing. You're, you're hundred percent right. It's the biggest it's thing. True. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm with you on that. Awesome. Really appreciate you jumping on, Sean. This was an amazing podcast. We covered so many different things. I actually think this is the first time we, we probably chatted about the realtor business in, in such depth. Um, so I know people who are jumping in, like considering becoming a realtor, even established realtors are going to get a lot of value. And, and even on the investing side, if you're interested in investing in Ottawa, um, how could, well, I guess people would connect with you, but how could they best connect with you? Um, well, e- email, email works well. So Sean and SeanFrost.com. Uh, that always works. And then of course, I think uh, LinkedIn is good. Like we we connected on LinkedIn. Right. Uh, but Instagram for sure. Like Instagram, I'm the most active because I'm showcasing all sides of my life on Instagram. Super open platform in the sense that like I'm sharing stuff about, you know, my family life, uh, the music side, the real estate side, the developing side, like you're getting all of me on there. So that's definitely the the quickest and easiest uh, method. And I do want to apologize because I'm a bit of a, of a ranter. So if I uh, I kind of ran away a little bit here and there. Like, I apologize. No, man, don't don't apologize at all. The episode, it was, it was good. It was good. All right. If you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a five-star uh, review, comment, like, share with a friend. It helps bring amazing guests like Sean into the platform as well, and it keeps us going. Until next time, everyone, invest smarter and live better. Take care, all.